on this. Okay. Hi, everybody. This is Two Sisters Health. I'm Jen. And I'm Rachel. And we're two sisters talking about health. Yes. And, the world, um, our lives. Last week, we talked with Dr. Gurpreet Pada yes. in St. Louis, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And he was fascinating. Fascinating. Um, so we thought we'd talk a little bit about that interview because I think Jen and I both have thought about it a lot this week. I know I rewatched it a couple times. Um, I haven't rewatched it again. I look forward to it though. Mm -hmm. His Usually background I is very interesting. Rewatch it when I uh, go to post it to YouTube and um, the podcast. Yeah, his background is fascinating. And also the work he's doing, right? Mm -hmm. I looked a little bit more at his clinics and they are true inner city clinics with, you know, same kind time constraints that I have in my clinic. And he's just really making the most of that situation. So that's pretty fascinating. He has a, and I don't know if it's unusual, but he had a, such a clear grasp of the way that the, macro social context, you know, weaves its way down into how that kind of comes into play in a person's everyday experience. Um, I don't hear, you know, that's actually the stuff of the research project that I've worked with since 2012, um, is really trying to capture um, how those big societal factors play out in people's lives every day and in their relationships on a really right here in front of your face way. Um, now the population that he's working with is um, inner city, as you said, poor, uh, lower education levels. And um, the project that I work on is more kind of representative of the US. So it doesn't have, you know, the folks who participate in our project are all the way from lower socioeconomic status to wealthy folks. So it's a much bigger swath um, it's just, it's just interesting to kind of think about that really different circumstances mm -hmm. lead to different health outcomes and approaches to healing. It was kind of perfect for us in terms of the social, right? Well, he did both where it takes us two sisters to get that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Some people it takes a village, others it takes one really motivated <laughs> <laughs> i went to the low carb nation website that yeah. he was telling us about which i guess is a nonprofit. it's not just a website and they have a conference in san diego this month at the end of the month mm -hmm. which i kind of looked at i don't think i'm gonna make it just because of were you low. considering going no, I mean, I just looked at it and was like, well, that'd be a fun conference to attend. It's not terribly expensive for a conference. Like some conferences are pretty expensive. I thought it was very well priced. In fact, they have um, a $99 attendance for the whole conference if you do it online. Yeah. Which yeah. I did consider actually. Mm -hmm. um, and I watched some of the videos and they made a movie called Fat Fiction. Oh, oh. hey. Hey, sorry. It took me a minute to find the Zoom link. So as soon as I found it, I could get on. Thanks Hi, for joining us. Yes. Thanks for having me on. 
Great. You guys are Pacific time. So it's 10 o'clock. Yeah, we're on, yeah, mm -hmm. we're on Pacific time. Both on the West Coast. I'm just an hour ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're Two Sisters Health and we're, I'm Rachel Scott and I'm a physician assistant. I work in primary right. care here in Northern California. And this is my sister, Jen, and she's a researcher in sociology. Um, I work and for a health and aging, longitudinal health and aging research project. Just to give so you a so PA and a researcher. All right. <laughs> and we've kind of been focusing on trying to provide resources for my patients and others um, with ways to optimize health since my time in particular is very limited in clinic. This gives a little bit more exploration. So um, how many hours um, do you spend in clinic? Uh, you mean with each patient or weekly? Just weekly, like how much time do you put in? Oh, I'm in clinic. Well, right now I'm on a sabbatical, but typically I was working 40 plus hours a week in clinic. Yeah. And I would see upwards of 22 patients a day. Holy smokes. Yeah. So I want to introduce you, but I want you to tell us about you. So this is Dr. Kylie Burton, your chiropractor, correct? Yeah. And you chiropractor who gave up the table a long time ago. <laughs> okay. Oh, interesting. And you practice in Utah from what I was reading, but tell us about you. So I actually graduated chiropractic school in 2017, um, which was only five years ago. And then of course, when you get out of school, you have in your mind that you have to do crack backs and necks and just do that for 50 patients a day. Mm -hmm. um, I never really did that to begin with. But I got into this virtual world of functional medicine. That was the whole reason why I went to chiropractic school was because of functional medicine. So um, I took a lot of functional medicine trainings, a lot of weekend seminars, a ton of certifications, and figured out a way to use blood work that people already have. So CBC, metabolic panel, lipid panel, both kind of things, and read them in a unique way. So that way I could get the results or the the understanding of what was going on in the patient, the patient's body with the blood work they already have. And it's been huge, <laughs> needless to say, I could take this complex concept and make it so simplified that I wrote a book about it. So now anybody can go grab their labs and understand how to read them in a different way than we're trained versus normal labs versus functional medicine ranges with some patterns splashed in here and there. And I have a podcast as well. So it's called Beyond the Diagnosis with Dr. Kylie. I started it two years ago. Um, like most, not really knowing what we were doing when we start podcasts, but it turned into, I have a lot of practitioners now who follow me. Um, I was invited to take over a practitioner Facebook group that has like 1,500 members in it. Um, started doing weekly lives in there just after the end of twenty. So the end of 2020, um, because again, the world was shut down. So we had the internet to get us to connect through everybody. So I took over the Facebook page. Um, I had a lot of practitioners asking me how to teach them how to read the blood work. And then more importantly, teach them how to do a virtual practice. So I no longer work with patients anymore. And I purely work with mm. practitioners, teaching them the blood work. So they put that tool in their pocket 
And then we build a virtual business around that tool. That's fascinating. Kylie, can you talk a little bit about um, who developed this way, this alternative way of reading blood work? Is that something you trained in with the functional medicine training? So it's a combination of a lot of trainings, but ultimately um, Dr. Datis Karazian, I don't know if you've heard that name, but he does. Um, he's in charge of Apex Seminars and Apex Energetics, the supplement company. They they did a lot of trainings for functional medicine in the functional medicine world before COVID. And I don't know if they just, that's not their call to their heart anymore, or they haven't adjusted very well with the virtual world. Um, but he's one of those guys that has 9 trillion letters next to his name. And so his team did a, a lot of the research on what those functional ranges should look like and why they should look like that about 25 years ago. Um, so I've taken his ranges, tweaked them a little bit based off of the thousands of labs I've seen, dumbed it down to where it's not like I don't need a five-day seminar on how to learn blood work. I can teach all the blood work in four and a half hours on my live event. So I just make it so super simple that MDs to DOs to PAs to nurse practitioners to even your health coach can get it. Massage therapists can get it. So it's my goal is to, with that, is to help my own field because, you know, Western medicine has its issues. Mm -hmm. So do we. We have big time issues too. Mm -hmm. And to make it so that there's more, not necessarily like voodoo, like muscle testing and guessing, because that's really big in a lot of, in a lot of practices, but making it so that there's some structure to the patient care and the treatment plan. And utilizing the blood work that they already have saves them time, saves them money. And like functional medicine lab tests can take thousands of dollars, weeks right. to get back. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, wait, if you have a CBC and a lipid panel and a thyroid panel and a metabolic panel, like, great, let's use that. And let's use that to create the treatment plan. And then the second thing is, I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I've had a lot of people say, a lot of colleagues um, thank me if I'm helping them, like giving them a tip about social media or giving them a tip on, you know, shooting them an email or, or a message just to help them out. They always say to me, well, thank you so much. I feel like we're all each other's competition. And I hate that word. Mm -hmm. I'm an athlete. I like competition. But <laughs> when more of us are more successful, more people are getting better. Mm -hmm. So my motto is now we're not against each other. We're in this together. Well, and a lot of people need help, right? And a lot of people need help and there are, are plenty to go around. <laughs> and you know why I initially started this podcast is because I've worked in primary care 10 years. And while I help people every day, I was like, how do I help more people? Uh -huh. And that was really what sparked the interest. Yeah. Yeah. Podcasts. It's my favorite thing to do. My favorite thing to host a podcast because you're going to meet cool people. But you're gonna meet people all over the world that are, have passions like we do, and then just to share the message. And statistically, when people start listening to a podcast episode, 98% of the time they're gonna finish. Hmm. So when you compare that versus the social media avenues, where it's like you have one and a half seconds to capture their attention. Yeah, it's just, really short. Mm -hmm. It's way it's way better, and people get to know you. Like I have people, you I'm sure you get this too. Like. Hey, how's your, how's your five-year-old? Is he sleeping yet? 
How the heck do you know that I have a five-year-old? That, oh yeah, podcast. <laughs> so you have a five-year-old? <laughs> I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Uh, five-year-old, oh, yeah. he's starting kindergarten next week. So oh, I'm entering the school mm-hmm. world. I'm like, who on, I don't know how, what it's like in California, but there's two and a half hour kindergarten here. Oh. Who on earth thought of two and a half hour kindergarten? Obviously not, not mom and dads not who work because yeah. only two and a half hour kindergarten. Yeah. What? That's There's, crazy. There are some full day kindergartens and like your charter schools, but they're of course booked out. Crazy. Of an eye. You know, in California, we have full day kindergarten or at least where I am. Yeah. It's like school in the morning and then a program in the afternoon for working parents. Mm. It should be like that. And if we live in 2022, uh-huh. both parents have to work 90% yeah. of the time now. It's true. So, um, Dr. I want to ask you, because I deal with CBCs and CMPs all the, all the time. Uh-huh. Um, and the ranges, of course, of ordinary are huge. So I'm assuming that you have a different range that you've established. Is that Yeah. Right? And those are the ranges I go back to Dr. Dati and He's created those ranges. I've, like I said, I've manipulated them some just based off of the amount of patients and the amount of blood work I've seen in comparison. So for example, let's take the CBC. Mm-hmm. You have the white blood cell count at the top, right? Now I have no idea what the normal range is. I'm so out of the normal range world, but the functional like five range- Five to 10. What? Five to 10, roughly. Okay. So the functional range is five to eight in this case. So anything less than five or greater than eight, we're, t- we're fighting some type of infection. Now- the white blood cell count is not perfect. That five to eight range, I say it's not the greatest sensitivity in the world because mm-hmm. I always want to jump down to the differential portion. And I want to get to those five markers that in school I was never trained on. I mean, we were grilled on the iron and the B vitamins through a, B, a CBC, but we never ever touched the neutrophil count, the lymphocytes, the monocytes, the eosinophils and the basophils. And now to me, I'm like, if you don't, if you have a CBC without the differential, you're missing a ginormous piece of puzzle. So you can tell me the normal range again, but, uh, cause I don't know the, sure. neut- the neutrophil count. I want to see it around 60% or less. Do you have that to memorize your normal count memorized at the top of your head? No, I don't. I mean, we always do differentials, but I don't have it memorized. No. Yeah. And I can't tell you either. So 60% and you're going to see percentage markers versus absolute values, right? Mm-hmm. We're only going to, we're going to worry about the percentage markers, which is most of the case anyways, unless you're in Canada and they're mostly absolute values, but the percentage markers. So if you have a neutrophil count over 60%, now we're looking at some type of a bacterial infection because that's what neutrophils do is they fight bacteria. So we're looking at cases of, say you see a young mom or a mom in her forties or whatever, she has chronic diarrhea or chronic constipation. They're teetering on the lines of IBS, Crohn's, IBD, ulcerative colitis, like something along those lines. But that every time she goes and gets a colonoscopy or gets tested, it just comes back negative. These would be your cases of SIBO, like your small intestinal bacterial overgrowth where you have the chronic diarrhea, the chronic constipation, the bloating, the indigestion, the really bad food sensitivities, 
And, and I've even seen a lot of infections, bacterial infections specifically with joint pains. So possible diagnosis of RA. I had one young mom, she was in her thirties. She had frozen, frozen shoulder syndrome, woke up with it. Um, they'd done the chiropractic, they'd done the, the PT, the massage therapy, the cortisone injections. They tried everything just on the shoulder and nothing was helping. Well, pretty soon it started the pain from her shoulder started to embed into all of her other joints. And at 31 years old, she's got two young kids, can't even pick them up. Um, so I'm like, okay, along the last six months of your life, you probably had some blood work done. Get it for me and let's take a look at what it says. And her neutrophil count was 88%. I have no idea why the body picked her shoulder, but I cleared out the bacterial infection with some supplement with, with a supplement regimen and she's joint free. Her pain is gone in her joints. Her shoulders back to moving and it had nothing to do with her shoulder. It was all the internal, what I would call the source of inflammation was that bacterial infection. So you can look at these, the blood work in a different way and say, all right, now I always caveat this too. If you're looking at your back, your neutrophil count and it's at 72%, you know, don't go run to your doctor and say, I have a bacterial infection. Can you test me for E. coli or Campylobacter or C. diff or um, whatever you want to call it to H. pylori? Because these are tests that are going to come back negative because they're not that bad yet, or they're not that specific strain of that severity. And I always reference like, Thank heavens, because when you have a positive test like that, you are sitting on the toilet for 30 days, right? So it's this alternative way of reading the blood work that can help us under, find the underlying causes of their symptoms. And ultimately, I like to tell teach people that when you heal the body, despite the diagnosis, despite the symptoms, the symptoms just go away and therefore the diagnosis are no longer relevant. Does that make sense on how I take the numbers yeah you want to keep going because there's a few more good ones i can teach you yeah sure please so we have the neutrophil count and then right below it is the lymphocyte count okay now the lymphocytes their job is to fight viruses i can't tell you what virus it is there's thousands of viruses out there and a lot of them are good for us it's just a matter of sometimes they get become more active versus non-active and that's where we get the chronic fatigue cases so the moms who are like, I have to take a nap if I'm going to survive my night, or I just can barely bring my kids home and then we're going to go grab fast food for dinner because I have no energy for it kind of thing. The ones who are like, I, I get my blood work. It's always normal. Yeah. I feel like crap. Those are these kind of people. And especially if you have Epstein-Barr virus or, or if you've ever been tested positive for it in the past, like mono, um, you'll see this a lot with, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road they're fighting the same type of symptoms, just not as severe. So they go get the lab test done. It comes back negative. What the heck? Well, this is a good way to determine is my chronic fatigue caused by a virus? That lymphocyte count, I want to see it less than 30%. If it's above 30%, now we're looking at my, a virus of some sort is a little bit too active inside your body. So your body is so busy fighting it off. And typically, you know, our immune systems don't have what they need to do their job. So you're left with fatigue. You're left with, I'm so busy fighting the inside of me. I don't have much left to give on the external world. 
So notice how I did the neutrophil counts at 60, the lymphocyte counts at 30. That's a two to one ratio, right? You guys are smart and you have a smart audience. I'm gonna teach you this ratio, but it's gold. We want to see that two to one ratio. I get a lot of questions about, well, what if it's low? What if my lymphocyte count is at 14%? Now there's a rule and I'll get to that in a minute, but let's focus on the, the ratio here. So when we see a neutrophil count and a lymphocyte count starting to meet in the middle, say your, your lymphocyte counts at 42% and your neutrophil count is at 48%. When they start to clash and meet in the middle and we approach that one-to-one -one ratio, now I know that that person, this individual, is fighting some type of autoimmune. So that one-to-one -one ratio is an indicator of autoimmunity. Can I tell you what? No. Can I? Do I care? No. Because it's all about going in and helping figure out what's causing the immune system to go haywire. And if the lymphocyte counts at 42%, it's triggered by a virus. That autoimmune system is. Okay. Now, um, what did you, Rachel? Rachel, you see a lot of CBCs, right? Mm -hmm. So you can take the same patient and you can look back two, seven, 10 years and you can trace like, you know what, on this day, using that two to one ratio, you probably felt pretty good. It was a day where you could go pick up your kids and you could cook dinner and you even got some of your laundry done that day. Whereas two years ago when you took your lab test, that was a week, probably sucked. Like you were probably just dead to the world that week. And you can see those ebbs and flows inside the blood work where you're getting numbers meeting in the middle, you're getting numbers that are like 58 and 27. And it's all about how active is that low grade infection at the time. Does this make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Linda, you know, you can start playing the, the fortune teller now like how did you know that well it's right here in the numbers so you just have to be able to read them and then when you go to create the treatment plan it's like whether you have a usually it's the husband's you know they're like ah uh, i don't know if this is gonna work this money's a lot of money we've tried many things in the past they're like now they see it in the blood work and they're like, holy smokes this is what's been missing. This is why her thyroid's never been able to heal. This is why my wife's crazy. Not the same person I was, I married to seven years ago. Um, and it just makes total sense to them. And they're like all on board. And then as a physician, we're not guessing anymore. We're not pin, pinpointing, oh, it could be your thyroid. It could be this. It could be your estrogen. It could, like, we don't have to guess anymore. It's all right there in the blood work that people already have. And most of the time their insurance is paid for it. So it's, it's convenient too. Yeah, that's really helpful. You know, when I'm reading CBCs, the ranges are so big. And I always tell people there's so much that I can't tell you based on these numbers, because the blood work just isn't, it doesn't give us all the details. Um, one example I come across a lot is like liver and kidney. Mm -hmm. When people just their organs aren't working as well. I remember in school, my instructor said, the, the great thing about the body is we have all of this built in extra function, right? Yeah. So 
you're not going to get a positive lab value on kidney or liver that there's something going wrong until only 25% of that organ is working. And so it'll be normal up until 25% function is left. So you've lost 70. That's a lot of function gone. Yeah. Which is amazing, right? That's why we're able to live as long as we do and we can get sick and get better and you know, our organs are always in flux. I think it's the liver that is new every couple of months. It's completely new because your body makes a new one. But um, so that is something that I don't actually, I'm not a functional provider. Um, so I'm really curious in, you know, alternative things. I was trained and practiced Western, but I do let my patients know that. And then I usually tell them, I can't necessarily interpret the more nuanced values uh -huh. so it's helpful to hear this especially the two to one on the neutrophil to um lymphocytes. yeah and that that two to one and the one to one ratio is so big now i want to jump in just because people will see this a lot too and, and you know they listen to this podcast and they they're all excited to get on social media and start telling their doctor these things and and it is a, a different way to approach it um and not i don't want to say one way is better than the other because like mm -hmm. i'll tell people if you break your arm, don't you dare walk in my office. Like, Go see the ER room. That's what they're there for. I'm helping you with the chronic stuff, the stuff that's going hidden that we can't, we don't have the tools in the in that toolkit to find. So when people say, you know, my lymphocyte counts at 14%. What does that mean? Well, you're all five of those values, the neutrophils, the lymphocytes, the monocytes, the eosinophils, and the basophils all five of those markers always have to add up to a hundred percent. They must add up to a hundred percent, right? Just based off of what they are. They're right sections of white blood cells counts or a different way to read the combination of white blood cell counts. So when I think, okay, lymphocytes are, are really low, what's high? Cause it has to balance each other out. It always has to add up to hundred percent. And then I'll get, well, my monocyte counts like at 16. There you go, virus. Or my neutrophil counts at 74. Okay, perfect. Like if it's low, something must be high. And they got to focus on that high. And then the teeter-totter will balance out. So That's do you have... Oh, go ahead, Jen. I was just... Well, you asked first, Rach, because this is a bigger picture question. Oh, I was just going to say, do you have some... Um, general guidelines, if it's a bacterial or a viral in terms of safe treatments to employ for patients, like supplement wise? Yeah, the supplement company I, I mostly use, they're called systemic formulas. They're, I'm in Utah and I grew up Utah. I grew up in the same house I bought from my parents, <laughs> oh, cool. which was not in the plan. Trust me, I did not want to come back here. Um, but they're 10 minutes from my house. I had no idea until I you know, you hire your mentors and you get the right people in your life. And they're like, oh, by the way, there's a supplement company that exists. So I have their supplement company and they have a couple incredible supplements designed to help the bacterial infections, the viral infections on more of a, a blanket outreach. So this okay. isn't like your antibiotic that's going to tackle mm -hmm. extreme amounts. This is your, I mean, it's supplement. Mm -hmm. So it's going to tackle it with the herbs and the combination of herbs and everything else Dr. Shane puts in the, in the stuff. But it's, I found it really helpful for your chronic cases of chronic IBS or constipation, diarrhea, bloating, indigestion, 
um, those kind of things. So I do have some safety nets in so as far as treatment is concerned. Mm -hmm. But again, be under the don't just go grab a supplement just because. You oh need. sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. And don't be mm -hmm. grabbing them off of Walmart shelves either. There's a big yeah, difference. Same quality, yeah. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Jen. I was just going to say, how can people find uh, practitioners who are trained to do what you're talking about? So yeah. I'm actually training a lot of them, right? Right. Um, I'm creating a directory on my website. If you oh, that's great. You go to drkylieburton.com slash practitioner dash directory. There'll be, I, right now, I think there's about 30 of them on there. And it's just going to continue to keep getting traction and traction. And, and there are other um, avenues to learn the blood work like this. I just have my own personal staple to it. Um, but if you talk to anybody who's actually a certified functional medicine provider, and I want to say that with caution, because there's a lot of people who will claim that they are functional medicine doctors and they've attended a weekend seminar. That's a great start. But this stuff gets intense. Like if we're going to truly find out the root cause of things and not just a cause, but it's multifaceted. Like when someone, I hate this question. What causes migraines? What causes, I don't know. It's different in every single person. And typically it's not just one. So my goal is to help people get their bodies and their inside bodies healthy, but not only their physical mind, body, but their mind getting their mindset and getting the whole aspect of our, of ourselves as humans in, in check. So go to that practitioner directory. You can, if you want to look in your local area, um, just check certifications of individuals. Um, if you're seeing certifications from functional medicine university, FMU, which is where I got mine. If you're seeing them from IFM, um, that's like the gold standard you'll see a lot of Western medicine docs who get into, like they they tend to focus on that on that community where they're Western medicine trained, but they wanna add in this functional medicine component. And they have a very rigorous certification schedule. So just check and make sure that they're not just blowing their horn or two in their two, but they've got some, as I like to say, expensive pieces of paper hanging up on the wall. <laughs> does that help, Jen? Uh, yeah, it does. It does. Functional medicine is something I've, I think I've only heard in the last couple of years. I feel like I didn't never even heard that term until a couple of years ago. And so I've been for the last, you know, since I've heard this term, I'm still trying to figure out what it means. Is it, is it? Um, it's basically a term saying that we're going to get to the root cause. Of, of health. And, and like I said, there's a problem with that too. We're no different than Western medicine. We have big time problems as well. Uh, one of those problems is we like to blame health concerns on one cause. You'll hear that a lot in social media. Well, what's the cause of it? There's no one cause. You look on what causes migraines on, on Google, you're going to get 5 trillion different answers. What causes infertility? Well, it's different for every single person. That's why there's there's like no one cookie cutter answer. But then number two is you'll hear this a lot too. Well, I tried this naturopath or I tried this health coach or I tried this chiropractor and they just wanted my money. They just wanted, you know, $10,000 of my money and I didn't get it. 
another problem I'm trying to solve is let's uh, put more regu regulations on this and let's actually use a similar standard. modality as something that's standardized because there's really no standard mm -hmm. out here. And I grew up in Western medicine. So like me doing what I do now was is almost blasphemy, but it's like, you guys have issues. Like we all have issues. The health, there's no perfect way to do healthcare. Period. Doesn't care. I don't care if you're going holistic, alternative, Western. Doesn't matter. Nothing's perfect. I really liked how you are using the values that are commonly ordered. Also, because yeah. one of the biggest struggles. So I live in Northern California, but I live in a very rural, poor area, and people don't have money to do anything mm -hmm. that's not covered by insurance. And the study, like I said, there's such a huge range. So I thought that it was really interesting that you were taking lab values that people can afford. Some of my patients who then go on to see a local naturopath, which I think is awesome. I wish everyone could. Um, they end up spending a lot of money on tests because insurance doesn't pay for it. And while they're all very useful and helping them get to the root cause, it would be so great if we could do some things before all of those tests. That's why I started the way I started. Cause I'm in Utah where moms are stay at home moms typically, and they have too many kids for their budget to big a house for their budget. And how dare they spend money on themselves for their healthcare. So I started, you know, doing the, let's try this $300 SIBO test. Let's try this $800 oat test. Let's try this. Like it doesn't work. People don't have money for it. They're valuable tests, but I had to figure out, okay, is there something that we can use that they already have? And there is blood work. So it's already, they already have it. They've already donated the time, the money, the and so one of it's just like a simple $20 copay or whatever. And then other nice thing too is I can get blood work from 10 years back. People always say, well, how far back do you want to go? Well, if you were sick 10 years ago, give me your labs from 10 years ago. Let's get it all so we can figure out the puzzles. But that's exactly why if I had to figure out a different way was because of the financial resources that one, people were willing to spend and two, people were able to spend within their tight budgets and then it just ha so happened that COVID hit and doors opened up wide for me so right <laughs> so I was doing the zoom thing beforehand nobody knew what zoom was right now everybody knows what it is so worked out can really I well. ask you about a certain test Dr. Burton one that comes up all the time in my practice um and and especially for women and moms and um as often women gain weight and they're feeling tired and fatigued. You talked a little bit about the CBC and illness um, and autoimmune, but what about the thyroid panel, the TSH and T4? And let me just mention one thing about what I understand about thyroid is that sometimes your thyroid numbers can look normal, but if you're not converting the T4 to T3 properly, you'll still feel miserable, even though your numbers look okay. Um, and I've read up a little bit on how to maximize or improve conversion for that. Um, but I'm curious, maybe what insights you could share with us. So think about the thyroid as, as a piece of a system that has three key pieces. Okay. The very top of the food chain is our hypothalamus part in our brain. The hypothalamus, we're going to call him H for simplicity. And then we're going to, he talks to P our pituitary gland, okay? 
Now, if you're draw a line down the center of your head, this is where your pituitary gland sits. It's like an inch, tiny, tiny little gland. But that gland is very important because it produces TSH, which we all think is the thyroid hormone, but it's not. It's the pituitary hormone. So P produces TSH, which talks to T, the thyroid. Okay, so there's a lot of different ideas out there about what that TSH range should be. I like to see it between 1.8 and 3. That's my ideal range. Now, you have to take into consideration medications and a whole bunch of other stuff. But if you put that in TikTok, it will go viral because people will tell you what their TSH is and uh, get some heated discussions going on there. So 1.8 to 3 is my ideal for TSH. The thyroid, right, produces T4. Free T4 is way is the way I prefer to see it inside the labs. And I always get these mixed up. I'm pretty sure it's 1 to 1.5 on T4. T3 is, I think, 3 to 4 off the top of my head. But ultimately, the thyroid produces T4. So if we have an issue with, say, autoimmune disease, where we got Hashimoto's and the immune system is attacking the thyroid, you might see some fluctuations in its ability to produce T4. T4 has to get converted into T3 in two places, the gut and the liver. So there's your answer, Rachel. If they're having a hard time converting T4 into T3, we have gut problems and our liver is overburdened. That makes sense? Yeah. So probiotics maybe and milk thistle or something to help? They can help. Um, I would, that's where I, when I get into a thyroid patient and they come like, oh my gosh, my thyroid's problem. I always, always, always want to see the CBC too. Mm -hmm. Because if we look at the H between the H and the P, let's say our pituitary is producing TSH and the TSH is 0 0.04. So it's low. It's pretty much basically gone. Then I have to say to myself, what is causing the pituitary to really struggle producing TSH? And there's really two things for that too, stress and inflammation. Well, you're a busy mom. Jen's a busy mom. I'm a busy mom. Don't go telling busy moms that they need to de-stress their life. It's not going to happen. So I always approach to them that, you know what, let's find the stressor on the inside of your body. And when we can find the stressor on the inside of your body, chances are it's also what's causing inflammation. So now we've got two birds with one stone. We get rid of that stressor on the inside of your body. And now your body can handle the external stressors a lot better. Your pituitary is producing TSH at a better rate, which then produces T4 at a better rate. But I, the whole entire cascade happens. Mm -hmm. So someone who's listening to this or comes to you in, with thyroid concerns, you can really say to them, okay, your thyroid is just one piece of a system and your body is made up of multiple systems that integrate together. So if we can figure out that internal stressor, which is typically an underlying infection, virus related, especially when it comes to thyroid to help your gut. And by helping your gut, I want to say, let's make sure that you're having regular and consistent bowel movements. Like that's my big marker. Yeah. You can do a GI map and you can do a whole bunch of really expensive gut tests, 
to figure this stuff out, but let's make sure you have regular daily bowel movements, not, not like food sensitivities. You're not getting reacting to, you know, something that you ate at dinner at Friday night and now you're better than for three days or whatever it is. Let's just make sure we've got the gut in a good spot. And then do we need to support the liver? We need to support it as let's remove some of the toxins you're using in your home, whether it be skincare, uh, cooking products. I mean, I'm in Utah where you guys are in Northern California. So we, maybe fire season could be bad and you got the smoke in the air and we're breathing it and the toxins are all in our bodies. Now our liver's like, ah, I can't handle everything. So just help out the liver in those ways. And ultimately when you're doing that, you're still treating the thyroid because mm -hmm. it's all correlated and intermingled. Yeah. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. So in my world, people do entire practices off thyroid patients and the thyroid patients, they want to have quick fixes, right? Let's just put me on thyroid medication, T3, T4. Let's figure that out. Well, the real reason why that doesn't work in so many instances mm -hmm. is because, again, it's just one piece of a system. And when we can heal the whole system from top chain down, if we go one piece higher, what starts the hypothalamus is our serotonin and dopamine. Mm -hmm. So now if our body can't use serotonin and dopamine efficiently, now the entire cascade is really screwed up. And it's the, just... the T4 is just the bottom of the totem pole. This is kind of reminiscent of last week, we interviewed someone and we talked about how antidepressants don't work long term in um, his experience and that more studies are showing that. And it has to do with, he says, you know, the gut biome and getting everything in balance because a pill is only going to work for so long if you're not supporting the whole system. Yeah. So and our gut is responsible for producing serotonin and dopamine. Mm -hmm like 95% of our production of it comes from our gut. And, and you know, I'm just, we're just barely skimming the, the surface on what we deem as the microbiome, mm -hmm. the, the bugs that make us who we are. So and shocking. It's, it's just all a, like we're multiple systems and our bodies are, like you said earlier, incredibly amazing at what they do. Mm hmm it, you know, it's difficult um, for me as a provider who has about 15, 20 minutes with patients. Mm -hmm. And I find that people don't know how to cook or eat. And how do you teach people how to cook in 15 minutes, right? So maybe. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, starting there, I guess. And also finding out what foods are affordable for people to if they're on a fixed income or a budget because bad food tends to be cheap. Bad food tends to be cheap. And if you think about it this way, I'm either going to pay for medical bills or I'm going to pay for food. I'm going to yeah. pay for it at some point. Mm -hmm. I'm either going to pay the medical bills or I'm going to pay the my food bill. Mm -hmm. Take a pick. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. Could you speak, if you have time, could you speak a little bit about the CMP? Those are probably the big three ideal, a CBC, CMP, and thyroid. Thyroid, yeah. Uh -huh. So the CMP, I like to focus on your, your kidney, your liver markers. There's a fun one in there, sodium and potassium too. Those can be fun too. Um, so let's focus on the, the liver markers are ALT and AST, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know what your normal ranges are, but your functional ranges are 10 to 26 for both of those markers. Ideally... I want to see it floating around 15, 10 to 15. Mm 
And to me, it's not a liver function problem. To me, it's like a status of how overburdened is my liver. I have seen liver, those enzymes in the 200s, in the 300s, mm-hmm. and I've seen them at nine and 10. And unfortunately, those instances where they're way off the charts, I, I have to talk to the patient about like, usually it's the very first time they've ever seen it. And they say to me, why, why didn't the doctor tell me this to begin with? And like you said, Rachel, one, they're very limited on, on your training with it and what we do with these, this blood work. But two, why would they point something out if they don't know what to do with it? Because you say to them, well, my AST marker is at 274. Okay, doc, what do we do about it? I don't know. So why would they point it out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my world, it's uh, people are big into detox. I don't get into detox as much because by the time people get to me, they have tried every detox under the sun. I just say it's a liver function, uh, liver functionality, a liver overburden. So if I'm if I'm seeing something above fifteen, I'm really going to start caring if it's above twenty six. Let's support the liver. Let's give it a few supplements to support. Maybe we need to do uh, more or so of a detox. I'm not so big on liver cleanses, mm-hmm. and the reason why is like people will you know, those the celery juice for three days straight or whatever the new thing is. And that's great. It's, it's relieving the burden from a short time for your liver, but you're not replacing, you're not giving the liver any ingredients it needs to do its job. It needs glutathione in high levels. It needs antioxidants It needs pieces. And I just say ingredients to be able to get things through the detox system. So a liver cleanse, if we're just juicing, yeah, we're removing some burden off of the liver for a short time, but we're not giving it anything it needs to do its job in the long run. So rather than thinking about it as a detox, think about it as, here, liver, here's everything you need. Keep going. You got this. You can do it kind of thing. So that's my AST, ALT markers. Um, Kidney markers are things like BUN and creatinine. I don't know them right off the top of my head, but again, I, I correlate those as it's not necessarily a kidney problem. Mm-hmm. It's again, the kidneys are part of the detox system. Are they overworked? Are they overburdened? Do we need some support with the detox system? Um, that's the way I approach it. So then the final one would be that I could mention is the sodium and the potassium markers. Mm-hmm. We could spend an entire day on a seminar about the mechanism behind all of this but your sodium and potassium markers are correlated to the adrenals. And a lot of people will say, well, it's because my adrenals are fatigued. I'm just tired because my adrenals, right? Which are these tiny little glands that sit on top of your kidneys and they produce a very important hormone called cortisol. And cortisol is our stress hormone. Um, You can actually bypass an adrenal panel if you so choose. The salivary panel is the best for the adrenals, but this mark, these two markers, uh, I don't have them up the top of my head. Oh, they're right here. So if sodium is less than 135 or greater than 140, you got a big time adrenal problem. And it's not, it's like the white blood cell count. It's not conclusive. It's not like the greatest sensitivity. So I like to say, if you're sitting on the border, say you're sitting at 135 and 140, and you have all the symptoms of adrenal fatigue, just 
help your adrenals out anyways. It's never a bad problem to help your adrenals out. Look at the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Let's just help the poor little guys handle our stress. So then potassium is the other marker. And if it, the potassium range is 4.0 mm-hmm. to 4.5. So again, anything less than 4 or greater than 4.5 would be a sign for me of adrenals. So just some, some fun stuff to look at things. So what would be a practical um, intervention to help your adrenals? I use the supplement called GA. It's an adrenal adaptogen by systemic formulas. There's a a popular herb called ashwagandha. You'll hear that one a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't get into the individual herbs much because then you start seeing supplement shelves uh, very long and extensive. Like people are buying duffel bags full of supplements because of the one ingredient factor. Mm -hmm. So I like to find a supplement that's a combination, but just about every company out there has an adrenal adaptogen. And I say adaptogen because um, it will adjust the cortisol level depending upon the need of when you take it. So say when you, if you were to take the supplement in the morning and your cortisol, if you have a, I mean, unless you're like me and you just don't like mornings, you're going to be slow anyways, no matter what the cortisol level is, but your cortisol should be high in the mornings and then drop down at night so you can fall asleep. So your adaptogens will raise it up if needed or lower it if needed, just depending on what point of the day you are at, what your levels are at naturally. And that's what I recommend. Um, An adrenal adaptogen like GA is one of my daily things. Like I'm not a supplement taker, Mm -hmm. but I will take an adrenal adaptogen and I will take a, um, a blood sugar stabilizer because if I'm going to heal my adrenals, I have to balance my blood sugar at the same time. Do you take that in the morning then? I prefer to take it at night. I take mm-hmm. four GA at night because it helps me fall asleep. So another symptom of, of adrenals are me, you know, I lay down in bed at night and I'm extremely exhausted, but my mind is going a million miles an hour. That would be a sign of adrenal fatigue. So common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sh- it's shocking to me how many people take sleeping pills. Actually, uh-huh. melatonin at high doses. Yeah, I was told one girl took Benadryl for like fifteen years of her life to sleep. And I'm like, oh, that's uh. And now there's research transition to off of that. <laughs> and now there's research to suggest that can lead to dementia, chronic sure. Benadryl use. Mm-hmm. Jen, do you want to ask any questions? Dr. I wanted to remind Dr. Kylie to let people know as a patient, not a health practitioner, um, please remind us how we can find your website, find practitioners who know how to do what you do. Um, I know the directory on your website is growing. One question for you. So let's say you live in a small town somewhere where there are no practitioners. Is this the kind of thing that you could take some blood work that you have, get the electronic record to a practitioner remotely and do an online consult with some, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But Jen, I got something even better for you. I wrote a book. (laughs) So now anybody can go grab the book and read their own blood work. Hmm. So it doesn't matter where you live in the world, go to Amazon and find why are my labs normal? And I will literally walk you through the CBC, the CMP, the lipid panel. I don't get into the thyroid panel because it's more complicated than I can make simplified, uh, but I teach you it all. So rather than having to 
rely on someone else to read your labs and another consultation, you mm. can be your own lab expert. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for writing that book. I, one of the things Rachel and I feel is really important in what we're doing is helping people figure out how to access all of this expertise and yeah. not for too much money as, you know, as much as yeah. possible. Yeah, not, so that I we, have... you know, not that we don't want to pay experts for their time and expertise 110%, but as you know, not everybody can. And so how can we get it all out to folks who don't have well, We're helpers. Yeah. That's who we are. That's, that's why we got into this field. Mm -hmm. So it's like helping everybody as much as possible, which is another reason why books are helpful. You can grab it for 20 bucks and learn what took us years of med school to learn. You can learn it in 20 for 20 bucks. And then the other thing is I have a podcast as well. So beyond the diagnosis with Dr. Kylie, and we really dive into uh, the, the blood work even more on that podcast. Good. Is it both practitioner and patient friendly as, as mm -hmm. far as level of, yeah, great. Yep. Yeah. Every Tuesday episode on the podcast is for uh, patients and just anybody in general who wants to learn. And then every Thursday geared more towards your practitioners. But that's more like mindset and business and, and things like that and how to grow your own private practice. Yeah. Tuesday episodes are perfect. I bring in experts as well. So you get more than just me. Well, you've been extremely helpful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I definitely appreciated all the wisdom and insight you've given us on normal lab values. It's really helpful. Yeah. There's a lot that you can be done. I always say the CBC is the lab test worth the price of gold. If you know how to read it right. Mm -hmm. One of my struggles now is, um, trying to find ways to, you know, a lot of times like with the liver, cause we see fatty liver, we call it fatty liver disease mm -hmm. from Western medicine a lot, which means your liver enzymes are elevated, uh -huh. but not enough to warrant any big treatments really. It's lifestyle management. And typically it's being overweight, eating a poor diet, not getting enough sleep, you know, all of the lifestyle things. And that's hard because even if you do bring your patient's attention to it, they say, well, what can I do about it? And it's like, well, you got to change your whole life. <laughs> how do we, how do we break that down? That's where, I mean, that's where we get into, you know, you're going to pay for this, the medical bills, or you're going to pay for this in other ways. Mm -hmm. I would prefer to pay for it with a little, and you don't have to like go completely. I don't eat all organic. I don't like, I still have my chocolate here and there. Like you don't have to be perfect. I don't want you to be perfect. And I still want you to love life and, and live it. But at some point you have to realize I'm either going to pay for it in my lifestyle or I'm going to pay for it in the medical bills. Yeah. Which do I choose? Mm -hmm. you, you have to choose because yeah. otherwise you'll get sick and then the choice is made for you. In my line of work, I see a lot of people who, come in because they didn't choose to clean up their lifestyle and now they have the, the option of being sick. And usually those people will finally clean up their um, diets and health habits, but sometimes it's too late. Yeah. And not to mention, we can talk about lifestyle all the time, but we have our brains pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. I just got back from a weekend retreat in, in Florida and it was all about mindset and up leveling and literally you you can create what you want to create in your brain and make it a reality. So we have to look at 
the world of chronic illness and, and everyone, cause I know people who eat perfectly clean, have the best lifestyle, but yet they're still really ill. Hmm. One is what's going on in their brain. Does, does being sick serve them? I've had people say, well, I can't afford this because I'm on um, disability. Being sick serves them. They don't have to work. They don't, you know, so there's that component to it as well. But then the environmental component where you can do all the right things, but if there's mold in your environment, nothing you try is going to help you feel better. Yeah. So sometimes people have to leave their environments. And the way you know this is, say you go on a vacation, the beach or to the mountains or wherever it is, and you feel better on your vacation. Then when you go home, you start feeling the same crap again. Is your home making you sick? I see this a lot with pets, mm -hmm. particularly cats. Yeah. People who have a lot of respiratory issues and they go on vacation and they'll say, you know, I think you need to get rid of your cats. They're not going to get rid of their cats. <laughs> well, and they've chosen the medical bills instead of the lifestyle route. But even here in, in Utah, where we have the four seasons, in the spring and the fall, mm -hmm. I had one little boy, his weirdest, well, he was like 14 years old, but his knuckles would become really swollen mm -hmm. in the springtime to the point where they wanted to diagnose him with JRA, mm -hmm. juvenile arthritis. And I was like, I just, I'm just not buying that. And then they would, it would disappear in the summer. And I told his mom, I said, I'm just guessing here, but when the ground unthaws, and the leaves on the trees unthaw that have fallen on the ground, that's mold. And mold is in the air. So I said, the only way we're going to know is if it comes back in the spring. Sure enough, it came back in the spring a year later. And so now we know that is, it's not that he has RA and that his joints are going to be becoming arthritic. It's more of the inflammation that the mold is causing when he breathes it and brings it into his body. So along are there... the coast, it's the same thing along the coast when you have the humidity coming off the, I mean, it's just. So are coast... there supplements you can take for, to support against mold? So he just in the spring takes certain supplements. I help out with the detox system, mm -hmm. but to truly handle mold, especially if there's like mold in the home and the walls, uh, there's a, it's pretty rigorous. Pretty rigorous route to tandem. Probably moving is easier. Moving is easier. And even then you gotta check. Like there are there are testing kits from labs where you can actually test your home environment and send it off to the lab. They can tell you how much mold is in the air because it's all there. It's just a matter of quantities and, and types. Mm -hmm. We call it mycotoxins, but those mycotoxins are basically the the gas that the mold produces, and then we breathe that gas. So you can do all the right things and cross your eyes and or cross your totally. T's and dot your eyes, but that's a really multifaceted. Mm -hmm. There's so much that can impact us. Not mm -hmm. to mention, like Jen's drinking some water. That water might be full of toxins, like in the red <laughs> in the red the red soil we live in. I mean, it's really high in arsenic here in mm -hmm. Utah. So just expect that you might have some heavy metals you're drinking in your water too, like there's so much do, to right? go there's yeah. so much to go around so but don't get overwhelmed by it just pick 
you know, for Christmas, I, I wanted an air filtration system in my home and I wanted a water filtration system. So that was my, those were my Christmas gifts. And that's what I, like, that was what I wanted. So you just have to pick a few things here and there. You know, I haven't jumped over to the, the cooking stuff yet. I don't order all organic food. I'm not quite sure if I believe in that, even though it's organic here versus organic in, in Europe is just a very different standard. So just pick a few things. Like pick three things that you can improve in your lifestyle now and that will have tremendous impact in the long run. Right. Everything matters. And yeah. usually illness is a culmination of multiple things. Yeah. And if you're in a rural area, I mean, are there a lot of cows in the area, farm farmland? Yeah. Especially where I live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where I'm And you're on a well? Yeah. I have a lot of people with well water and it's like, oh, can we filtrate that in some sort? But at the same time, that might actually be better than the fluorinated right. water we drink tap on, with tap water. So who knows? We're it's, up it's, on a hill at yeah. kind of the foot of mountains. So probably our water is fine. At the bottom of the valley floor, is, we're not part of the main water supply, even with our well. So that's... Yeah, good. we bought, my husband and I bought some property in, in Idaho. And that's this time to come the same thing was it's up on a hill. But I told him, I said, if we're building a house here, we're putting an entire home filtration system in this because the the heavy metal count in the soil is just so high it's not worth it yeah but again that's a step in the future like i'm not i'm no perfect person right here so mm -hmm. i just have like an air filtration system from austin air in my room and in my little girl's room she always coughs at night mm -hmm. so that's helped her with her coughing if we were to give her a diagnosis that would be easily be called asthma and i'm like no it's there's stuff in our home i'm just on in the position right now to you know remediate the house or i prefer to move i'll move in the next little while but yeah so just just understand that yeah we got the blood work we got environment we got mindset like it's all part of our human bodies and mm -hmm. yes they're incredible because we're dealing with this all the time and look at how well you do function even when we still deal with this all the time well, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Uh -huh. Thanks for having me. It's been very helpful. And I really mm -hmm. appreciate your simplified, balanced approach. It makes it very approachable for people and yeah. easy to understand. And that's so important. Yeah. So thank you. And I've had recent blood work and I'm going to buy your book. And I'm going to okay. have Rachel go through my blood work again with me, with your book. I'm not kidding about that. Okay. I'm Do it. I'm going to read your book too. So thank you. Yeah, do it. That's why it's there. Perfect. Thanks ladies. Thank you, Dr. Burton. Do you have any questions for us? Keep doing what you're doing. Changing Thanks. the world one person at a time. We appreciate that. You have a wonderful day. Thank you, you so too. much. Thank See you ya. again. Pleasure to meet you.